back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Pacino, and I'm very excited to have Tyler Old on the line with us today. Hey, Tyler, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing so great, thanks. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. Can you uh, just give our audience a little uh, quick introduction? Yeah. Um, so my name's Tyler. I'm 28. I currently live in Brisbane, Australia, um, but I am originally from New Zealand, so I am native to New Zealand. I'm My background is Maori um, and also European. Um, I've been here for about eight years, um, done a whole lot of stuff throughout my life, been through a lot, um, and now I'm kind of just on the pathway to living out, I guess, my purpose, my passion, and just enjoying life. So, yeah. That's amazing. I love that. I'm similarly (laughs) doing the same thing. Um, I would imagine the last couple years with COVID has... Uh, been a big impact for you as it was equally for me. Uh, I'm just kind of sort of curious starting from the beginning. So talk to me about like kind of where you grew up, what your life was like, your family life, um, kind of how like you went through school and like, you know, university and those kind of things. And just like kind of how you got to, uh, you know, Wednesday for you, Tuesday for me and having yeah. this conversation. <laughs> where I am. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I grew up in Wellington, uh, in Wellington, New Zealand. I was originally born in Christchurch, um, but moved when my parents split up when I was about three. Um, it's interesting because when I meet people, you know, sometimes they're like, oh, I'm so sorry that that happened. Um, but for me, it never really affected me. Um, I really believe that my parents weren't meant to be together and I'm so happy that they're not. <laughs> um, you know, it was just better for all parties. So yeah, that never really affected me, but I did move um, back home to Wellington where most of my mum's side of the family was. And so I was kind of raised in mainly from my Maori side. Um, so it was very cultural and things like that. We're not very traditional in a sense, but we obviously still have that kind of connection and all that kind of stuff, which is really good for me because a lot of, um, I guess, people of colour just in general, if they don't really know where they come from, they really struggle with their identity and things like that. So I never really had that issue, um, but at the same time, I am a lot lighter skinned, as you can tell. Um, so, you know, there came with that came bullying and, you know, you're not really Māori and this, that and the other. Um but growing up, my childhood was actually really good. Um, I was surrounded by a lot of love. Um, I was the firstborn, so with that, I'm not sure if you're the firstborn or whoever's listening, if they're the firstborn, they'll know the pressures that comes with that. <laughs> I'm tied. Um, I'm actually, I have a twin sister, so I'm like... Oh, really? I'm the middle child. Who, who was born first? She was. I'm the middle child by six oh, minutes. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so you like missed that little... Yeah, a little bit. By a little bit, Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I was the first grandchild, first born, so a lot of pressures. My family obviously had expectations in terms of like what they wanted me to do when I got older. Um, but not only that, um, I guess our dynamic being Māori is quite different. So generally we're raised by our grandparents more so than our parents. Oh, interesting. Um, our parents are there, but yeah, like our grandparents obviously know more and have been through more, so I guess they take on that role. Um, but also I remember when I was younger, we were living with my grandparents and my mum was like, I'm moving out. What do you want to do? Do you want to stay or do you want to come with me? And I was like, I want to stay. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I stayed with my grandparents. Um, I think I just had that bond with them. Um, and they ultimately raised me alongside my mother. And my dad was obviously living overseas. So we're still very close as well. Um, from there, yeah, I had to grow up quite young to be honest um because obviously more grandkids came in um so I was the babysitter (laughs) and also I was getting taught you know how to sort of like hold the household you know cleaning cooking looking after myself that kind of thing which looking back at it now like I'm so glad that I had that experience a lot of people might say oh you know you grew up too quickly you know you didn't really have a childhood etc Um, but I think it really helped me kind of transition into where I am now. And I definitely wouldn't have been able to get through half the things I've been through had I not had that when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, fast forward to high school, um, high school, I was the tomboy, um, but I was sort of still a bit girly girly, but more tomboy. Um, I gravitated more towards the guys and just hanging out with them because they were super chill. Like we could just joke around. Like it wasn't really too serious. Yeah. And there wasn't much, you know, drama. Um, in high school, I wasn't like, I don't know. I feel like it's really different for a lot of younger people these days. Like everyone's so caught up in like girls and boys and like somebody liking somebody and like, you know, that kind of stuff. And that was sort of the thing when we were in high school, but 
not so much but even so like i was the girl i would say it's pre self it was pre cell phones for us so it was like pre instagram pre like all that shit that's like ruining the world social media yeah (laughs) it was more like go outside come back when the lights are on hang out with the neighborhood kids like Mm -hmm. play games like that was that was that was pretty much my childhood don't even care about the way you looked like i look at photos and i'm wearing like jaggy green um fat pants i don't know if they're called like sweatpants oh yeah and then you have like a blue colored t-shirt that doesn't match you know like you just wouldn't care when you were younger um and i had like a bowl cut like people thought i was a boy at one point like (laughs) i was really living life back then yeah um so i guess there is a bit more pressure but in high school i was more the girl guy like i wasn't somebody you would date i was more just someone you'd hang out with and have fun with and whatever you know um and i didn't actually realize that that affected me until i got older but also everyone in high school if anyone's like listening to this from high school everyone in high school you won't like later like you'll look back at them and be like why did i why did i like that person um so don't even stress yeah and then you'll elevate as well so don't even worry totally um yeah um and then from there i went to uni um i was the first in my family to go to uni university and graduate and it was kind of like a kind of preconceived path i don't know if that's the word but like it was like a given that i was going to go to uni mm-hmm. um because i was the first born and like you know the family wanted me to go to uni and like uni was the way you should go um a part of me like kind of knew at that time that i didn't want to go to uni but then a part of me was like kinda also happened. wanted to go it was like a, yeah it was kind of like I wanted to, but I didn't, and then I had to, but I didn't also at the same time. So I went to uni. Um, Don't regret it, but, you know, the debt that comes with that, love that. Totally, love it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They're chasing me for money every year. It's great. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I did that, and it's funny because I'd always known what I wanted to do when I was younger. Like, I just always had this, like, feeling that I was – because I'd always watch, like – so. If people don't know, um, I've always wanted to be like on TV and film and like helping people, you know, with their lives and creating businesses. Like I pretty much want to create an empire. That's like the overall goal. It's awesome. Um, and so I, I kind of already always knew that when I was younger, like I'd watch TV, like MTV and E Channel and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that one day. But I'd never voiced it because I was super self-conscious like when I was younger. Um and it's funny because like my life kind of took me on a different pathway, but then kind of went full circle and brought me right back to this moment doing the things that I want to do. Um, but yeah, I went to uni. I went to originally study TV and radio. Oh, cool. Um, and then I ended up going to Auckland in, a, in New Zealand, which is another city um, to study. I was actually bullied at university. What? <laughs> funny enough. That's yeah, I was funny. bullied at uni. <laughs> but it's like, come on, we were like in uni, like yeah, really should be past this. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, I got bullied there and I also struggled like being away from home a little bit so young. I was like 18, 19, I think. Um and back then like you think you know it all, but you don't. <laughs> um and I was a huge partier back then. So like it was like, should I eat and pay for it or should I go out and party? Go out and party. <laughs> Go out and party. Yeah, it was my thing, and I'll just make it work somehow. Um, yeah, so then I was only there for six months, and then I moved back home. Um, there were some other things that kind of made me move back home, a.k.a. like a guy and like issues and stuff like that. It was so not not healthy, but yeah, we might get to that later. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I moved back home, and I wanted to study the exact same thing, but unfortunately they didn't have the exact course. So I did something similar, which was PR and media. So it was like kind of the same Mm -hmm. trajectory, but not. Um, But I hated it because it was all theory based. It wasn't practical, whereas my previous one was practical. So I don't regret it, but I really should have stayed. But, you know, life obviously happens. Things in the works and happens. Yeah. So and now here I am. (laughs) Um, But actually how I got here, I was 21. No, I was 20. And I was working at a job. Um, I don't know if you guys have it. You're in New York, right? Yeah, New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. Um, Cotton On? Do you know Cotton On? Cotton On Body Factory? No. No? Oh, okay. 
Maybe you don't have it there, but um, Cotton On, it's like a retail store, huge okay. clothing store. I worked there and I had <clears throat> been there for like four years and I just came home one day and I always knew I was going to move to Australia because my dad lived there and I loved it. Um, and I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is not my life. This is not what I want. Fuck this, basically. That's <laughs> awesome. Swear, sorry. You absolutely <laughs> Fuck this, basically. <laughs> yeah. And then um, I spoke to my mum first just to kind of get her thoughts on it because she's unwell. So I didn't want to leave her, you know, if she needed me kind of thing. So I talked to her and I was like, you know, mum, I'm thinking about moving to Australia. How do you feel about it? And she was like, go, live your life, do your thing. <clears throat> and then literally came home from work, fuck this, booked a flight. Two months later, because I wanted to have my 21st back home, um, told everyone this was going to be my farewell slash 21st. And then I was packing it up and going. Funny thing as well, hadn't finished uni and I also booked a six-week trip to Europe before I left. So I don't know how the hell I even found the money for that, but Res- I made it work. This, yeah. yeah, made it work. And then here I am in Australia for eight years. That is amazing. Um, yeah. So very similarly, I grew up um, not with my grandparents, but my grandmother lived with us basically, I want to say from like when I was six or seven. So like she lived in the house with me, my brother, my sister, my parents, you know, and yeah. was like picking us up from sport practices and, you know, whatever we're doing extracurricular at our friend's house and stuff. So it's kind of nice. It's, it's funny to have like that kind of generation be so involved because like you said they know so much more and and i think that like i would be a wholly different human being had i not been you know duly raised by my parents and my grandmother and it's like one of the things that i'm so immensely happy that i got to experience in life because you know both my grandfathers died before i was born and my other grandmother passed away when i was like three or four very very young yeah so she was like the only anchor to that sort of generation that i had and it was nice and it's it's something that I think people take for granted nowadays, you know, a lot more yeah. people are grandparents at a much younger age. Like my grandmother was, I think closer to her late sixties. Yeah. When, when I was born. So it's, it's like different now. Cause like my parents are younger and whatever. It's very interesting. Um, I'm curious yeah. though, like, so I'm not a hundred percent familiar with the, it's Maui, right? Maori. Maori. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. with your, your, your background, it, uh, it is like the Australian equivalent of native American. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I remember learning a lot about this in, I guess, was it 2008 when you guys had the Olympics? Think so. 2000, it might've been 2000. Oh my God. It might've been like a million years ago. I know, I'm like, oh, that's a bit far back. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember, but I remember learning a lot about of it. Um, and kind of how the, the similarities between like the native Americans and in here over here and, and uh, your ethnicity, it was very like shocking to learn how poorly like your, your group were like kind of like ridiculed and, and bullied even. And there was that one really amazing athlete. She was like track and field star. She got like three gold medals or something. She came in with the torch and I remember her talking about it on like, I don't know, you, USA Today or Good Morning America, one of those shows. And I was like, it's so yeah. insane to me that this shit still kind of happens. Um, did any of that stuff have like a big impact on you, like growing up, like being, you know, different, you know, AKA quote unquote, not white? Um, it didn't, I didn't realize it until I got, I think around uni, because when I was getting bullied for not being as Maori as everybody else, because oh, right. I didn't speak the language. Um, I also think it was because I was a bit pretty, <laughs> but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Haters are going to hate, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, not really until then. And then as I got older, a lot of like traumas started to come out that I didn't really know were traumas at the time. But when I look back at it, I remember I was hanging out with a friend and she was Maori as well. And she had had a really rough upbringing um, and she hated the fact that she was Maori. Oh, wow. And like, I took offense to that at one point because I was like how can you like hate it but then when I got older and I was going through these things like I started to develop a little bit of a hate towards it only because you know people look down on us and we go through certain things differently than I guess white people I guess um in the sense of like upbringing and like what we go through and what we have to endure um so it did to a degree um and then there was a point where like I didn't really want to be identified as Maori which is so sad to say because I love my culture and my people 
but you just obviously have to go through the motions. Um, but yeah, it did affect me a little bit, but not on a grand scale. Oh, that's nice. I mean, like some people kind of don't know who they are without it, whereas I feel like I sort of still did have that connection to my ancestors and Māori Dim and stuff like that, so it didn't hit me as hard. Yeah, that's I nice. I, I mean, I give you credit for that because you're kind of like one foot in one world, one foot in the other world, so like you're not, you know, Māori enough to be Māori. You're not white enough to be white. It's like... The yeah. make, that ma- has the makings of a very good movie. You should probably start writing that. <laughs> um, I'll take that idea down. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Uh, so I'm super actually, curious. But true though, yeah, yeah, true, actually, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's be- it's like the so I grew up in like a very fairly affluent upper middle class neighborhood. Um, you know, like a lot of my friends' parents worked on Wall Street and owned their own businesses, and it was mostly like there was no. I want to say it was like 50% like Italian Americans and 50% like Jewish Americans. So like the the right. only real differentiation there is based on like religion and you know wh- whether your grandparents were from Germany or Italy. That was literally the only thing yeah. separating us. There was no you know giant eth- you know ethnic sort of background difference in really anything. Everyone could trace their parents back to like the Mayflower, and there was yes. nothing like that growing up. And it's just crazy to me, especially because you're saying like you didn't get have any issues with it until college when people are older. It's like wouldn't you think that would be like when people would be much more tolerant of other people? Like that's crazy. And it's also interesting that it was from my own people. Yeah, not necessarily you know European. Um, it's it's something and some people probably hate me for saying this in my community but it's such a big thing like we just we're we're trying to be connected as a group but then we segregate ourselves within the group and it makes no sense like yeah maldives can be quite jealous of other maldives um especially if they're doing well Mm. um and that's obviously because they haven't decided to go down that pathway and they decided to take up things like drugs or alcohol or gangs or whatever um it's actually funny too because when i was growing up when I was younger, my family were actually living in a really high-end suburb. Mm-hmm. Um, we were the only brown family. I didn't know this because I didn't notice it at all. But we were the only brown family in that area. Oh, wow. At the time. Yeah. Um, and then my pop was a cop. And then stuff happened. He obviously retired from the force. And then he went to start his own business. And I don't know what happened, but it didn't work out. Um, and then we had to move because we weren't able to upkeep it. Mm-hmm. Um, from this is what I've been told. I don't really know if it's yeah, you're young, yeah. you know, but this is what I've been told. Yeah. And then um, we ended up moving to a lower socioeconomical area. Um, and then we've pretty much been there my whole life. But yeah, originally we did start in a very nice area and then ended up on the other side, which was <laughs> fine. It was, it was an experience in itself. That I, area. I feel like, you know, I- I wanted for nothing as a child. I had two very hardworking parents. I, I wouldn't say yeah. like we were rich. We we're, you know, more than above average. Like, you know, th- there was never an instance where like I had to struggle with, you know, getting sports equipment or anything like that. And yeah. I think even in the instances where like people that I grew up with maybe didn't have money or had an exorbitant amount of money, I felt like my community was super good about like being very normal about life. And it didn't get till like later on in life in my 20s when I started to realize how there were some fairly dramatic differences in the socioeconomic stand, uh, you know, livings of people that I grew up with. Um, It's funny you say that because the area that I lived in, when I tell people, it's considered the hood in a sense, I guess, (laughs) not as intense, I would say, as we, you know, in America, but it's considered the hood. Um, But when I, when I lived there, like, it never felt like that. Like, it just felt normal. Like, it wasn't like you would see drugs and guns and like everything you know on the streets like we would be able to roam around and hang out and just be kids but you would know like oh that's a gang member or this person stay away from that person like but it was never I never felt unsafe or anything it just felt normal but when people hear the name they're like oh my god you lived there like how was it and it's like it was literally just normal and most of the kids I went to school with yeah their families were in gangs but like the nicest people ever like i would just see them be like hey and they're like how do you know them like like talking to them and it's like it's normal people they just have a patch or they just went through some stuff and they like 
take alcohol and drugs. Like, you yeah. know, it wasn't like really... norm, normal life shit. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. you, you look at it like a place like New York City. Like when I was a kid, probably from the mid, you know, early to mid 80s to like the mid 90s, like New York City was terrible. Like the amount of times that I went into the city to go to like a Yankee game or to go see a Broadway show, like it was very infrequent. It didn't get like quote unquote cleaned up till sometime in the nineties, like where, uh, you know, the, like a lot of the rundown buildings got knocked down and new things went up and like they addressed the homeless problem and the drug problem. And there was like so many things. I mean, like every major metropolitan area in the, in the world goes through these things and you know, it, yes. it's just kind of like a, factor of life um so i'm curious what do you do like work-wise now like you're you said you're like living out your dreams so like what do you do <laughs> so <laughs> i do a lot of things <laughs> um i've had like i would say probably like 17 jobs i think i counted or maybe more wow yeah um i do not like working for people i don't hate it initially but then i get to like well now it's like the two-week mark and i'm like fuck this <laughs> like <laughs> yeah it's pretty bad but um I've been working towards this for quite a while and I think I just got to the point where I started to really believe that I can do it and I was just like, screw it, quit your job, let's just go in, let's just do it, get it done. Um, so at the moment, I've created a brand which is called Five-Headed Lady um, and the reason it's called Five-Headed Lady is because I used to get bullied for my forehead. You can't see it now because it's covered but I have quite a large forehead Okay. Um, and it used to be the only thing um, some like people would bully me about. Um, and so it used to really rain on me, like my self-confidence and stuff. But now as I'm older, I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. I have a big forehead and what? Yeah, big deal. Um, so that's why I've created it. Five-headed lady. That's what it refers to. It's pretty much like a fuck you to everybody who like bullied me and stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, so five-headed lady, it's, I've got the YouTube series. Um, and there's a few series under there, um, which is kind of, I say my own little show and podcast. Um, and then under that, I also do TV, film, commercials, dancing, modeling, um, brand work as well. And then I've just, well, I'm just about to launch my first product, um, which is called Unmasked. And that's also linked to Five-Headed Lady with a series that I've got about unmasking. And that's about unmasking life experiences that have, you know, either caused trauma or have changed their lives drastically, whether it's negative or positive. Um, and just going through those motions. So Unmasked is pretty much a card game, um, which is aimed at getting you to unmask all the bullshit that you tell yourself that's not you, um, which can be perceived, or can be um, influenced by society, your parents, siblings, uncles, friends, whatever, um, and really pulling out all of that to understand who you are authentically and what you really want. Because I feel like a lot of people say they want certain things, but really don't but they believe that they do, but it's not really who they are inside. They're just kind of following um, the norm wow. or how it should be. That's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm launching that tonight. Oh my God. Um, no, literally today. Literally today. Oh my yeah. God. Congratulations. That's so fucking <laughs> cool. You. Wow. Yeah. This is we'll like a huge day for you and I get an hour of your time. Oh my God. I feel so, so privileged. Yes. That's incredible. <laughs> I've also got to go down and do a photo shoot too after this. That's so, so like, fucking awesome. A lot today. I am actually a photographer, yeah. so I, you oh, know, nice. wish you well. That's so fucking cool. Wow. That's amazing. Thank um, you. I'm super curious, um, to like ask the tough question is like, what was it about like something that transpired in your life somewhere that kind of, I mean, there has to be like a cause to this like unmasked brand idea etc so like i'm sort of curious something like what was like the catalyst for creating this um or was there more than so one when, <laughs> yeah there's like it's like a whole thing that just kind of ties in so i'll try and narrow it down as much as i can but um when i pretty much this whole journey of like unmasking and healing and stuff really started i think when i was 21 mm -hmm. and i moved to australia I think without realizing it, I was sort of running away in a sense, but I did want to move, but I was sort of running away from things back home because I'd been through so much crap back home that I just wanted to about it. Mm -hmm. So I come, came to Australia. Um, I didn't know at the time, but I sort of had an idea that I was depressed. Um, I became suicidal. I never, ever liked drugs, like ever, until I moved to Sydney in Australia. And if people have been to Sydney, then you'll know what it's like. It's like drug central. Oh, wow. Really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Well, they used to, they have a place called King's Cross. I don't know if you've heard of it. And it was like notorious back in the day for like gangbangers and drugs and stuff. And like people in Australia, and they may hate me for saying this too, people in Australia love drugs. Really? Like they love cocaine. So cocaine is like alcohol. (laughs) So if you go out, most people, not most people, I shouldn't say that, sorry. But a lot of people here would rather be on coke than drink. Wow. It's like the alcohol. Yeah. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. It's like all of Sydney is. changed now. I was going to say Sydney's like Uh, Vegas of Australia. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it is. Yeah. And then Brisbane is like LA, Mm -hmm. sort of. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I was then exposed to drugs. Um, And I didn't realize at the time, but I was doing it to like kind of shield my pain yeah. that I was feeling Numb yourself, and yeah. I was partying a lot more like I was just drinking like all the time <laughs> and then I started to notice that like my my mood would just always be down like I'm not wanting to get up and like all this kind of stuff and I was like what's going on and in New Zealand mental health it wasn't a big thing like you don't talk about it you just deal with it and that's why we have a high suicide rate in New Zealand <clears throat> um so going through that I didn't really talk about it so I was just like oh I'll just I'll just figure it out um, and then it got to the point where I had my first anxiety attack. Um, I was on the way to a tr- to work, actually. I just started a new job and I was on my way to work and I started thinking all these thoughts and I couldn't stop them. And it was like, what if you just jumped in front of a train? Nobody cares about you. Nobody loves you. Like, just do it. I was literally about to jump, like, get off the train and then just go and walk in front of it. Like, that's how bad it got. Wow. Um. And then I had the anxiety attack. I ran to the bathroom at the train station and I just like bawled my eyes out. I called work and I was like, I can't come in. I was like hyperventilating. They're like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like trying to mask it. Like I'm fine. Um, and then I ended up going home. And then I, what happened after that? Oh, I almost o- overdosed on drugs. Uh-huh. Um, I went to a festival and I took more than I should have. And then I went to the emergency like tent thing. So I was like, I don't feel good. Like this is not, this is different. <laughs> and so I went went there and I literally passed out. I don't even remember, but apparently I passed out. And then I um, woke up with all these people all around me. <laughs> and the weirdest thing was, is I had my friend's bag and I was more concerned about her bag because I didn't want to lose it. <laughs> And I was like, where's my bag? <laughs> like with all these people around me and they're like, it's right here. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I literally just, I don't even know what I was thinking, but um, that happened. And then from there, I went to Europe, partied the whole time, <laughs> came back from Europe, was sitting there and I was literally in so much debt. It was insane. And usually I'm pretty good with money. So like seeing it, I was just like, what the hell? I literally bawled my eyes out and I was like looking at the bathroom because my flatmates um, had had a medical problem as well. So she had all these pills in her cabinet. So my thought was, I'll just go pop pills and just see what happens, hoping that I would not be here. Um, But interesting enough, that very moment, I was like crying my eyes out and I don't know what came over me, but I was, my friend messaged me and he's like, are you okay? Like out of the blue. And um, I was also talking to another friend and I just told him, I don't want to be here. haha, or something like as a joke one. And then he like instantly picked up on it and he was like, are you okay? What's going on? He was like blowing up my phone. He's like, don't you do anything. We love you. Like, you know, he just kept trying to reassure me. Um, and then my other friend, he picked up on something too and, and called me straight away and then we, we talked it out. And then from that moment, like, I was pretty much fine. Um, but that's kind of where it started because then I started to realise a lot of my mood changes or me being upset or sad came from men, like, dating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was dating the wrong people. Like no, And I would be like, you know, nobody wants me, nobody loves me. Like, I just wanted to be loved pretty much. And then I realized that that actually stemmed from my childhood, not that I wasn't loved, but there were certain things that happened in my childhood where I didn't feel love. And it's like I held on to those. Um, and that was kind of the, the catalyst for, 
you're not loved, you're not worthy, nobody wants you, rah, 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 rah. Totally, yeah. Um, and it's really funny. Well, it's not funny, but it's funny. <laughs> because I look back on it now and, like, my dad wasn't here physically, but he was the best dad ever. Like, if I could talk to him about whatever, like, boys and stuff, he would be there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, my mom, love her. We've talked about it. She wasn't the most affectionate mother. That's my family. We were never the type to be like, I love you or hugs or kisses or anything like that. Whereas I'm a very loving person. Mm-hmm. I kind of need that in a sense. Um, but I know that, she, you know, she did. And where was I going with this? Oh, my uncles. Um, I was very close with my uncles. One of them passed away in a car accident, which really hit me as well. But he was kind of my male figure. He was the one that actually showed me how a man should treat a woman and how a man should be with his family or just in general with life. Like his passion for life really rubbed off on me. And and that's what I've realized only like probably a couple months ago that I had lost that a little bit Mm. and like forgot about it. But pretty much he had shown me that, but I didn't see that. All I saw or all I held on to was the negative stuff that I would see, which was like, my grandparents arguing all the time or like really bringing each other down or like my mom having issues with her um, partner at the time and like that really affecting me and all this kind of stuff. And so all that transpired into then me being depressed, um, anxiety, drug use, alcohol, because I always said that I would never be with someone physically abusive because I had seen it growing up. But then I realized I actually ended up with abusive people, but more emotionally and mentally. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of what happened is I was just going through these motions of going with these guys that didn't even want to be with me. They just wanted to use me and then, you know, discard yeah. me kind of thing. Um, and then that's how I came to, well, actually, I was in a relationship not long ago-ish. It's complicated, but it's hard <laughs> It always now. is, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, he really pulled everything out of me. Like he was great, but there was also so much like manipulation, toxicity that I didn't even realize because it just seemed so great to me, mm-hmm. but it really wasn't. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he pulled literally everything out. Well, that relationship, I should say, for me to then have to work through and heal all that stuff. <laughs> that it once that had pretty much transpired from my childhood. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's remark. I mean, that's like remarkably candid on your part. And I obviously commend you for that. Um, I guess New Zealand is in a lot of ways, like sort of like, you know, men in nowadays, like I'm pretty vocal component, uh, you know, proponent for therapy. Like I've been going to therapy. I think it's like the best thing that I ever did for myself. Um, yeah. You learn so much about yourself. You learn, like past traumas, things that happened in your past that like you may not have even realized were like a trigger point for you that have now manifested the, itself in other ways. And yeah. it's super interesting. And it's just like, you know, if you're like, a, you know, it's cliche, but like if you're like a white guy in your 20s or 30s from like an affluent area, like it's not okay for you to be like very emotional and or like talk about your feelings or like whether you're struggling or anything it's just very much like you have white privilege you have like an inherent leg up in the world and it's not okay for you to struggle um and i think that that's like like one of the two greatest things about like the time we live in now is like the like the conversation around mental health is getting like so much better and it's like i'm i'm the first one to stand up and raise my hand and say like i go to therapy it's great like everyone should do it and it didn't used to be like that like even like a year ago i feel like or like five years ago and it's been super Mm -hmm. super important like all these amazing conversations like simone biles at the olympics like all these things are starting to have like this tipping point um around mental health which you know you look at like all the toxicity that is surrounding social media and while we are totally connected as a people like we are instant communication to hundreds if not thousands of people at the touch of a button it's also like very lonely like if you're not yeah if you're not married if you don't have a significant other it's like very easy to feel lost in the shuffle it's very easy to feel like you're you know kind of just floating out there in space and i think it's one of the reasons why it's it's kind of a great opportunity for people to like kind of be able to talk about things because Mm -hmm. you just get into this kind of mindset where like, you know, 
no one can relate to me. No one is experiencing the things I'm experiencing. And then when you talk yes. to when you talk to someone and they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, like there are hundreds of thousands of millions of people who feel exactly like you." Exactly it's like it makes you feel like not yes. like you're not crazy. Um, I also think it's it's hard for um, being a woman as well because you oh, should totally. have things on a certain timeline. Oh, you yeah. should have a man. You should have kids. So if you don't have a man by this age, like nobody wants you, that kind of thing. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'm so sick of hearing yeah. about it. Well, you're you're super young. <laughs> But like I, I, I talk about that all the time on my podcast because I've my life is completely different from everyone I know. And at 36 yeah. on Friday, I don't have a wife. I don't have a kid. I don't have a house. Like I have nothing, right? And I have like built this really great life for myself. It's completely- You have nothing to society, Correct. but you have everything to you. Correct. Yeah. But I spent so much of my life doing the thing that society said I should do. I should go to high school and go to college and get that first job and then get the second job yeah. and then get the car and then the fucking watch and then like do all these fucking things that I'm supposed to do because Instagram is telling me I need to do it or society is telling me I need to do it and meanwhile yeah. I never once stopped and you know for four seconds it was like dude what are you like having fun or like you happy I actually want it yeah. yeah and I didn't do that for yeah. the longest time and it wasn't until like COVID and like this like I lost my job in the middle of the pandemic where I was like what the fuck are you doing like mm -hmm. I'm chasing after something that I don't even know what it is anymore I'm like yeah. pursuing a career and like a life that I don't even think I want. And yeah. it wasn't until you're put into a position where you have no choice but to like make hard decisions that I like figured out exactly who I was. And that was like, you know, 34, 35 years old. And yeah. it's like the most rewarding slash terrifying slash amazing thing because it's like I feel more at peace and, and comfortable with myself. But there is millions of people who don't like think that they're doing the right thing at the right time and it's like it's it's so annoying when so like i talk to someone and they're like well you know i'm 30 so i can't go be a painter or mm. I, I can't start a podcast because you know i've i'm a teacher and i've got to work all day it's like it, yeah. it's that level of mindset that like no one would ever do anything in life um it's, yeah. it's super sad um but like you you've managed to take like a plethora of like childhood and young adolescent drama and turn into like something like remarkable and I'm just kind of curious like was it therapy in your early 20s well like what was it that was like the catalyst the the you know the thing that gave you the strength to kind of be able to like pick yourself up off the mat and be like I, I got this um didn't do therapy I tried it it wasn't really for me and I think that's the thing that you need to find what works for you oh totally um I did hypnotherapy. Oh, I don't cool. know if you know much yeah. about it. Yeah. So pretty much hypnotherapy, um, they put it, they put you in a hypnotic sort of state and it's not like where you see people walking around like a chicken. <laughs> yeah, You're not right. going to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they pretty much take you back. So they say there is a time period from when you're born to when you're seven. It could also be when you're in the womb where something has happened that has then triggered all these things to transpire. Um, and so they put you in a hypnotic state and they start asking you questions. Pretty much the first thing that comes to mind is what was the trigger or what was, was the age that something occurred and then you have to go in and figure out what it is. Hmm. And when you find that thing, and it could be something so simple, like you wouldn't even think that that has then transpired into what it has, um, but it could be a situation. They pretty much take you back into that situation, but from a bird's eye view. Uh -huh. So you can see it from an outside perspective, not necessarily one-on-one -on -one how you were in the moment. And then you start to see like things from a different perspective. Um, and they'll ask you questions like while you're in there and then get you to kind of pull that stuff out. And the point is to get it from your um, unconscious mind, mm -hmm. not your subconscious mind, because your subconscious is like your wall. Well, it's the Which same is, thing. Yeah. Unconscious and subconscious are the same. I, I learned that because I had a, oh, really? un, I had a subconscious mind coach on my podcast. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. She was awesome. Highly recommend you listen to her. I she need to watch that one. So yeah. fucking, she's wild. Amazing human being. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, it's pretty much, yeah, that thing that's in the back of your head and then you have that thing that's in front saying no, no, mm -hmm. but it's like, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. that one, they pull it out and that's pretty much the thing. That's amazing. That's creative. I've learned yeah, so much. So that was it. Yeah, I've learned so much about the subconscious, unconscious mind, and I think it's 
partially the catalyst for my success, man. I gotta fucking stop saying catalyst. It is. Yeah, that's your favorite word. I know. It's like I haven't said it in seven years. I've said it fifty-five fucking times on the podcast today. No, but I was talking to this woman, Betsy, and in inside of me somewhere, I don't know where the fuck it came from. I have this utter belief that I'm going to be successful no matter what I do in life, and it's yeah. gonna work out. And it would have been playing professional sports or fucking being a photographer, like whatever it was going to be, I'm going to be a success doing it. it may not be the first day. It might be the 555th fucking year, whatever it'll be. I'll be successful. And learning about yeah. how that, that deep seated thought process consciously allows you to build yourself towards these goals was something mm-hmm. that I had no clue about. And it truly makes a lot of sense because I wouldn't be doing the things now today that I'm doing had I not believed mm-hmm. that I was capable of it. Um, it sounds yeah. like you have a very similar uh, experience because you're obviously doing yeah. things that you probably couldn't imagine five years ago and now enacting these amazing things. My future, like the way that I see my future is way bigger than this present moment. So mm. like if, for example, I'm really fearful and I'm like, oh my God, I shouldn't do that or like whatever you think when you're fearful. <laughs> I just have that in mind and that is way bigger than that fear that I have. And I just do it. Like, I don't know. I can't, I just pull it out. Like just what I want to achieve is way more important to me than being in this moment, being fearful or not doing it. And so I just somehow, I just keep it pushing. <laughs> I, I love that. And similarly, yeah. like the fear of the unknown is always going to like push you to not try something or not take a risk. But it's also the most like, funnest part of it too 100%. like it's scary as fuck but so cool so because like i so rewarding literally yeah. moved to thailand and then somehow ended up at india in one point like i just did whatever the hell i wanted and yeah it was scary as hell and i had no idea how i was gonna survive half the time <laughs> but i just did it and like now i have stories can't wait to tell them back in my day yeah <laughs> but um yeah <laughs> I mean, I think that's amazing. You also, so like we have very similar paths in that, like we've made dramatic changes in our lives, but you were able to enact yours at a much younger age than me. And I'm, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, like I, I often say like, Oh, would 25 year old John have been able to like recognize all of these creative outlets that I have uncovered that I'm in love with at that age like would i have been able to have enacted that level of change that level of growth 10 years earlier five years earlier at any point earlier in my life and i often say no i don't think it would be possible because you need that length of time those lessons to learn to get you to the point to change what about you do you think you could have like enacted real life change do you think you could have stopped partying and doing drugs at like 18 versus 20 i mean you were just such a young person i'm just kind of curious like if you think that you could have made a change earlier, made these alterations to yourself at a younger age, but you were so fucking young. So I'm going to say probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think everything that I've been through has brought me to this moment. Yeah. So I think there's nothing that like, yes, I've been through a lot of stuff, but there's nothing that I would change. And like some people, for example, have been through like, you know, sexual abuse and things like that, but they can take that and use it to do better and push further and instead of using, you know, playing, like not playing, sorry, but the victim mentality or or letting it bring them down. Like, yes, it's a shit thing, but it happened for a reason. You cannot change it and you just have to move forward Mm -hmm. and just do better. Like say, fuck that, fuck you. I'm going to go and do what I want to do. And I think, yeah, I don't think like, it's hard to say yes or no, because yes, I probably could have, but I wouldn't have had all that knowledge and this life experience and gone through all of that stuff to then bring me to this point. So yes and no, (laughs) but my resilience was there. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I I think the other thing is like being like a, I'm going to say, use the term like solo entrepreneur, like we're individuals making like kind of our own path. We're not relying on other people. It's like, I'm a very positive person. I am full on, like, everything's great. Like, I am going to, like, overboard my life with positivity. Like, you still have good days and bad days. Like, I can go from having um, an amazing morning to getting bad news in the afternoon and, like, losing a job or not getting chosen for a project. Like, all of these things are not, like, 
100% in either direction, right? Life is never mm. going to be 100% great and 100% terrible. You're always going to kind of live somewhere in that middle. And I think yeah. the the biggest lesson that I've learned kind of over the last year is that if you're able to identify something in life that you want to do that will make you happy, every day will be a good day even when you're going through shitty things. And mm-hmm. that's like one of the, the few things that I like feel happy about is that like even when I'm having a bad day, even when shit is like just falling apart and I just want to stay in bed and it's miserable and I'm depressed and I just don't want to do anything. I'm still like fighting the thing and like moving towards the goals that I want, even when it's not yeah. going well. hundred um, percent. Also on that, even if you don't know what you want to do, just try it. And even that's fun. Like just try something different. Like I've tried so many jobs. It's ridiculous. <laughs> 17 is a, um, is a record. I think 17, I think it's like that. Yeah. 17, something like that. But just try it. And then if you don't like it, leave. Go find another one. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. People make it out to be such a big thing. It might be massive in America. I don't know. Mm. Here it's not. Like, well, I don't think so. I do it. (laughs) And I've had no issue finding a job or doing something that I need to, you know, be able to survive or whatever. There's there's excitement in just trying something new. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't like it, there's excitement in going to find out what that might be somewhere else. Yeah, people put a lot um, of pressure yeah. on like, you know, like let's say for argument's sake, give a business degree. Like you got a normal business job out of college and like people mm. will put a lot of pressure on like, I need to be successful in the thing that I spent four years trying to learn to do, even if it's something that you hate. Like I know- I don't use my degree. Right, yeah, <laughs> neither do I. I. I mean, it was it was the best four years of my life. I had so much fun. But to say that like that burdensome debt that I accrued was worthwhile would be a lie, right? Like- I, yeah. There was nothing that I took out of that experience from like an intellect perspective that I think would like practically change my life, right? Like I'm not a doctor, I'm not a yeah. lawyer, I'm not like using a high level degree that warranted me spending $100,000 to learn, right? So yeah, yeah I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> um, it's funny too, because my um, family wanted me to doctor or a lawyer, <laughs> standard. Um, first of all, would not be a doctor. And second of all, I'd probably just throw everyone in jail. So I don't know if that would be a good lawyer. Um, but oh, I forgot what I was going to say with this. Um, University. No, I lost it. Okay. Yeah, I lost I, it. I was going to say the the one thing that like I, I think that's mostly important is that like there's so many hours in a day. Like if you work nine to five, from seven to ten, you can be an artist. From yeah. 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. you can be a DJ like there are an infinite number of things that you could do with your time and like I'm pretty comfortable saying that like there's like a 50 to 55 percent of the population who enjoy what they're doing for a living it's not a hundred percent so like fill your time up doing things that make you happy and not necessarily things that pay your bills they can be completely I think America did a study on it and it was like 73 percent of people hate their job oh wow Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was <laughs> saying something about it, but yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. And that's my that's my thing. I'm just like, I know you have to pay bills, but so do I. Yeah. Like I have a I have an investment property, so it's got a mortgage and all that crap with it. And then I obviously rent and I've got my lifestyle. <laughs> um, you just make it work. But I think also people are so consumed with how it looks to other people, like if they left their same management job and then went and got a cleaning job like they're so encapsulated by what that person's going to say like oh you're a cleaner Mm. like yeah i'm a cleaner it's perception versus reality like the perception is like as long as my instagram says i'm doing well i'm doing well Uh, and the reality is that life is a lot more complicated than the things that we show online oh 100 and social media is a lie i see so many people editing like we all know this but like you see so many people editing like Lamborghinis and stuff in their photos and they don't even own the bloody Lamborghinis. So don't even like yeah. look at that stuff and think it's legit because it's so not. Yeah. It's, it's a big show. And like at the end of the day, the people that go through that level of like, <sighs> well, they're not self, really self-aware. I, yeah. I believe I th- like they really haven't it's, deep dived into that. It is a, a level of narcissism that I just truly can't relate. I, I'm a pretty laid out on the line. I am who I am kind of person. And, I just couldn't imagine like buying followers or like whatever it might be that just like is remarkable to me. I don't even buy coffee. Like why would I buy followers? <laughs> yeah, right. Nope, not happening. Um, I like to spend the last bit of every podcast doing sort of like a rapid fire question. Um, some are super easy. Some are like a little bit more in depth. But, you know, okay. first one or two things that come to mind, whatever is easiest for you. But first things first. Is, no pressure. No pressure. What's your favorite book? 
um, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Oh, is so one. good. Yeah. I actually love that book. And oh, I just, yeah, love. Um, and one more was 50 Cent's book. Um, Get Rich or Die Trying. Yes. Yeah. It was actually really good. Would highly recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite movie? Oh, that's a hard one, but I do love the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, no complaints. I'm with you on that. Yeah. They're very, very interesting. <laughs> I mean, the last one, they went a bit overboard, but the originals, yeah. <laughs> totally overboard. They definitely yeah, had to no go to space. No one's going fucking space in a car. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you on about? Stupid. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Um, Anything chocolate. <laughs> I mean, food, sweets. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, do you believe in an afterlife? Yes. What's your big, What's your biggest fear? Not living out my purpose. Hmm. That's pretty good. What's your biggest dream? Ooh. To oh, to be the first Maori female billionaire in the world. Fuck yeah! There's none. Yeah. There's none. All okay. Funny story. All the millionaires and billionaires in New Zealand are white males. Wow. Wow. Male part, I get. Yeah. But. There's only one guy who has just been deemed billionaire, and he is a white male, but he actually grew up in the suburb over from mine, which is considered more hood than my hood. <laughs> um, so that's a positive. But yes, I would like to be the first Maori female billionaire. Fucking love that. Uh, yeah. What inspires you? Mm, my future self. Oh, I like that too. What gives you confidence? Oh. Um, dressing up, showing up is my best every day. Cool. Um, what's one piece of advice? Uh, what's the best piece of advice someone's ever given you? Just do it. Are you happy? Yes. Okay. Last question. What's something that you recently asked me that like six months ago, I would have not been able to answer that. <laughs> that's okay. If you asked me that like three hours ago, I would have said no. <laughs> um, so that's fine. Um, last question. What is something that you've recently consumed? Uh, like could be a movie podcast, TV show, uh, book you've read, literally anything that you've recently consumed that you would like to recommend for everyone hearing you on the podcast today. Um, I actually just watched the interview with, um, I think it's London real and Elena Cardone. Okay. And I actually loved that interview. Yeah. So I'll jump on that. Okay, cool. Uh, Tyler, I think you're fucking awesome. Uh, I am so appreciative of your time today. We did that in a land speed record, and I'm very, 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 very thankful for your time. Um, I have a very cheesy line. If you've been on my podcast, you're part of my family now. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, and uh, definitely look forward to doing this again uh, sometime yes. next year. And, uh, yeah, just thank you so I much for uh, for coming on. Awesome. Thank you so much. I actually had a blast. So I definitely want to chat more because I feel like there's so much more we can deep dive into. (laughs) That would be amazing. Thank you so much.